You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Good morning and welcome today. I'm excited about this series, a series we've been in for three weeks so far. I can't believe it's already been three weeks. We're simply calling it Baggage, Live Free, Travel Light. We've established the fact already that many of us, probably all of us, carry around some form of baggage every day. Yes? Sometimes, last week we talked about people issues. Sometimes that baggage is people related. We have situations and relational issues and circumstances that deal with people that have caused baggage that we just carry on our backs. And sometimes we don't understand why we're doing it, but we do it anyway. Week number one, we realize that Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, carrying this heavy burden. You're weighted down, you're weary, you're worn out. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. So we realize that this baggage that we're carrying around isn't ours to deal with. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but that encourages me that I don't have to carry this baggage around. I was never created to carry this baggage around, but yet Jesus gave us a way out. He said in John 10, verse 10, he says, I've come into the world that you may live a free rich, full, satisfying life. Now, when I say rich, I'm not talking about financially rich. I'm talking about it's a lifestyle, a real, full lifestyle. That's the kind of life that Jesus has come to give us. In and through this series, we're going to talk about many issues. We've talked about people problems. Today, we're talking about finances. We're going to be talking about depression addiction. And we're going to wrap up this series talking about the baggage of religion. But today I want to take a really close look at our finances. How are we doing with the funds that God is entrusting us with? Well, let me ask that more personally. How are you doing with the funds that God has entrusted you with? Now, this morning's message is going to be more of a practical approach. It's not going to be hyper-spiritual. It's not going to be overly spiritual in any form of the word, but it's simply going to be biblically practical. How many of you know that's okay? The Bible, as it stands, is applicable to all areas of our lives. And sometimes we just need to get down to the grassroots. Sometimes we just need to get down to the nitty-gritty. And we need to say, how does this apply to my life? So we're going to look at finances today. According to some statistics that I read just this week, Americans are not doing so well. We haven't figured out this financial thing yet. Research as recent as August of 2017 says as Americans, we carry approximately $905 billion in credit card debt. Now, I thought that was going to get a, So let me say that again. If you could just respond with that, that would encourage me just a little bit. As Americans... As recent as August 2017, we carry approximately $905 billion in credit card debt. Thank you so much. You just don't know what that does to me up here. Now, that's up 8% from last year. Of those that carry credit card debt, this is astounding. 
we have discovered that on average, Americans have a debt load, just credit card debt load, per household of $15,654. Credit card debt load alone. Now, some of you are nudging your neighbor and saying, well, see, we're not that bad. Just hold on. We'll get to you. These statistics alone, as they stand, are reason enough that we, as Christians, need to realize that we have to figure out how to manage the money, how to handle this financial responsibility or financial pressure that has been placed upon our lives. This alone is a great reason why we need to really investigate and understand finances. But did you know that the Bible says that one way that God measures your spiritual maturity is how you handle money? Maybe you didn't realize. Let me read our text today. Luke chapter 6, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't really figured out how to handle the finances of life, who can trust you with true riches? These are Jesus' words. He says, if you're not responsible with the pennies, the nickels, the dimes, and the dollars, you're not responsible with the physical and the material possessions that you have. He's basically now saying that I can't trust you with the spiritual truth and the spiritual blessing and the spiritual responsibility, not only here on earth, but forever in eternity. Wow. Well, pastor, I just thought it was, you know, paying for something that was on sale. I thought it was just buying that brand new iPhone that came out. Stomp. Sorry, I stepped on my own foot there. Jesus says, if I can't trust you with earthly money, earthly treasure, then how can I trust you with that of which is eternal? Let me ask you this morning, how are you doing with your personal finances? Wow. How's that going for you? Are you simply staying afloat? Are you sinking quickly? Or are you truly managing the money the way that God desires you to manage? Now this morning, we're going to talk about how do we do that? How do we manage our finances? Let me just tell you right from the get-go, I do not claim to have all of this figured out. Every week that I stand up here, oftentimes I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am to you. Because how many you know, we're all working out our own salvation. We're all trying to figure this out. When I say that, I'm not saying we're earning our way to heaven. We're, we're figuring out this process together, yes? Before I get into that, let me give you three false hopes. Three things that society is going to try to convince you is true. Number one, society will try to convince you that more money equals happiness. Of course, that's what all the ads say. Buy our product and you will be happy. After all, that's our American rights. We believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. Or something like that. I can always buy 
more. The fact is, things can make you happy for a time. You buy that brand new car, it's got that new car smell. It's shiny, there's not a scratch on it. Everything is perfect, but then you make a few trips through the drive-thru. You rub up against that curb. Suddenly the inside no longer smells fresh. The outside's not perfect. No longer are you happy with what you have. It loses the excitements of the new. Yes, money does equate happiness for a season, for a time. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it says, those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, get this, the more people come to help you spend it. Have you ever noticed that? Several years ago, I was traveling, singing on the weekends at churches, and we went to stay with this family. Uh, We were singing at their church, and he had somehow had a settlement and, and had millions of dollars from the settlement. And what I found interesting was suddenly everybody was his best friend. Everybody wanted a slice of that pie. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? More money really does not equate happiness. Number two, someone have you to believe that more money makes you important. The more money I have, the more important that I am. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. This is based on the myth that I am what I own, that my value is based upon my valuables. If I have a fancy car, then I'm more important. If I have a fancy house, then I'm more important. If I wear all designer clothes, then I'm more important. My net value is determined by my self-worth. And of course, all this is not true. It's the idea that if I only have a little bit more, then I'm worth a little bit more. If you believe this, then maybe you think this idea. I've got to get more. I've got to obtain more. I've got to earn more so that I can get more respect. I want to be liked. I want to be popular. If I can just get a little bit more, people will respect me more. But it's simply not true. Here's what I've discovered in life. Your value is not found in what you own, but in who owns you. Uh, Let me say that again. That needs to sink in just a moment. Your value is not found in what you own and and what you can obtain in in the fancy car and the designer clothes. Listen carefully. It's not found in impressing people. It's found in who owns you. Now, what do I mean by that? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus? See, the Bible says that Jesus came and died on a criminal's cross. He paid the ultimate price for you. You know what that tells me? You have value. You have value. Not in in the money, not in what you obtain, not in the possessions, not in the material items. But you have value because Jesus paid the price for you. Number three. 
Some would have you to believe that more money brings security. I can just get a little bit more money, then everything will be okay. Proverbs chapter 23 says this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Now let me put a disclaimer. The author here is not saying be lazy. Because the Bible very clearly says that a workman is worthy of his pay. A good Chinese proverb, no worky, no eaty. Not really sure that's a Chinese proverb, but it sounds really good. But he's saying here, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In a blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. According to a recent career builder survey, 23% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck all the time. One quarter, one-fourth of Americans live paycheck to paycheck all the time. But what I found more astounding is up to 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck at least part of the time. 78%, three-quarters. Americans have a problem. What do we need to do with this? Larger debt load. But I believe the problem is deeper than too few of jobs or low income jobs or even a job market that's struggling. Praise God, it's on the increase. But I believe the problem in America is we're spending out of control. We haven't learned how to properly manage that which we've been blessed with. Never put your security in something that can be taken away from you. Money can be taken away that quickly. It takes just one tragic disaster, the loss of a job, a fire, the list goes on and on. The only thing that cannot be taken away from you, listen to this, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It doesn't say my hope is built on the finances I bring home. My hope is built on a big full bank account. My hope is built in all the designer attire. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Why? He purchased me at a high price. Man, that's good. Very quickly, let me give you five principles. This is where it gets very practical. I want you to take good notes this morning. Five principles of personal finances. Are you ready? Number one, sit down and evaluate. Sit down and evaluate. This means take the time to really know what's coming in and what's going out. You see, sometimes it's easier just to spend, 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 and not really know where it's going or know where it's heading. You just kind of spend and you hope there's going to be enough at the end of the paycheck. It's vital that we sit down. You make a list of what you bring home that you Make a list of all the expenses. And let me say it again. I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am to you. We're learning together. 
Make a list of all your expenses. But make sure you include all those little extras, the trips to Starbucks, Panera, the dollar menu at McDonald's. See, every one of those dollar, $2, $3, or Starbucks $7 things add up. They make a huge difference. But maybe you even want to take it a little further and, and categorize them. You have your, your house payment, your utilities, your cleaning supplies, your clothing, your food, your car, your gas, your entertainment. The list goes on and on. Why is all of this important? Because as managers of these finances, and by the way, that's our role, quite honestly, your money belongs to God. You're just the manager of it. It's vital that you have a clear understanding of what's coming in and what's going out. Look at what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 27. Know well the condition of your flocks. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. Now some of you right now, you say, well, that's really good because I don't have any flocks and I don't have any herds. But I would venture to say, if Solomon was standing here today, he would say this. Know well the condition of your bank account. Know well the condition of your assets. Know well the condition of your real estate. Know well the um, condition of your assets in life. Keep good accounting. That's a starting point. See, you have to be aware of where your money is coming from and where your money is going. I, I am just surprised every time I go to the bank and, and make a deposit, the teller always says, would you like your balance? Can I just be honest with you? I check my balance regularly. I know what's happening in our bank account. Sometimes I'm like, Angie, have you gone to Target? We're not even close to a Target. How did you go to Target? Well, they have a website. I'm watching you. But maybe you've said things like this. I just don't know where it all goes. I mean, I put that in. It's almost like I put it in and there's a back door in my bank account. And as quickly as I put it in, it falls out the other side. And there's no difference in my bank account. Nothing's there. Yes. I just don't know where it goes. Maybe you feel like me. Sometimes I feel like Linda when she's writing my paycheck. Just send half of it to Walmart. You know, send the other half to like... Domino's pizza or something, and give me a quarter of it, and we'll figure this thing out. Because really, isn't that what happens? It just goes in and out that quick. You're already in trouble if you make statements like this. I just don't know where it all goes. See, if this is the kind of statement that you make, then you're already violating principle number one. You're not keeping good records. You don't know where your money is headed just in one side and, and out the other. You're in the dark about how much you make, and you're in the dark about where it all goes. I just tell you, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for destruction financially. There are four things you need to, go, need to know in keeping good records. Number one, what you own. Number two, what you owe. Number three, what you earn. Number four, where it all goes. Let me say those four things again. Number one, what you own. Maybe that's your, your car. Maybe that's your house. Maybe that's a boat, whatever you happen to have. 
what you own. Number two, what you owe. So just because you say you own a house, really you don't own your house. The bank owns your house. The mortgage company owns your house. You just got to have a monthly payment. What do you owe on your house? What do you owe on your cars? What do you owe on that brand new boat or whatever it happens to be? What you earn? What is your paycheck? What do you bring home every month? And finally, number four, where it all goes. That goes back to that making a list. Because here's the deal. Let me give you a little math equation. Anybody ready for some math? Take a look at this math equation. Ignorance of your financial condition plus easy credit equals disaster. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they're like, well, you know what? I just went down there and they gave me this loan. There was no questions asked on this loan, Pastor. It was the greatest thing. It was the easiest thing ever. What's the interest rate? Well, I'm really not sure. Or I went over to that payday loan place. By the way, stay away from those. That is a trap. And by the way, if they're watching right now, I'm praying for you. (laughs) That is a trap. You will never pay those things off. Ignorance of your financial condition plus easy credit equals disaster. If you have credit cards today and, and you're not keeping good records, you'll soon find yourself spiraling downward at an incredible rate. Principle number two. Create a game plan. So number one, sit down and evaluate. So number one, you're sitting down and you're, you're processing through. You're kind of making a list of some expenses. You're making a list of what you've got coming in. You know your, your assets. You know what you own. You know what you owe on it. You know all of these things. You've got it all figured out. But number two, you've got to create a game plan. What do I mean by this? I'm talking about budgeting or planned spending. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to what? Say it with me. Poverty. Good planning and hard work. Come on, this is what Americans aren't used to. We're ready for just give it to me, just hand it to me. Let somebody else earn it, let me just take it from them. That's not biblical. Good planning and hard work. Remember, no worky, no eaty? Leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Planned spending, a budget, telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it all went. That's planned spending. Again, I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. I'm just being transparent and honest with you today. So what is this verse saying? One thing this verse is saying is this. Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. Rockefeller, the first American to ever become a billionaire, was once asked this question. How much more money do you need? Or how much money is enough? Do you know his response? Just a little bit more. If I could just get a little bit more money, he was a billionaire, but if I could just get a little bit more money, then everything will be perfect. Some of you have made that statement. If I could just make a little bit more money, then we would no longer be in this debt problem that we're in. If I could just earn a little bit more, then suddenly we'd be financially stable. If I could just get a little bit more, then this would be better. Guess what? You're going to make a little bit more, you're going to spend a little bit more, and you're going to find yourself in the same place as you were before. 
Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. Some of you think, if I just had a little bit more money, then I'd be financially free, but that's just not the case. If you can't live on what you make right now, you'll never really be able to live. You're always going to want a little bit more. You're always going to earn a little bit more. Financial freedom doesn't come from making more. Listen to this. It comes from spending less. Hmm. I told you this wasn't real hyper-spiritual, but it's biblically practical. It doesn't come from making more. It comes from spending less. If you spend less, you don't have to make more. Oh, that's kind of profound. Of course, advertisers and, and businesses, they have studied you. They have watched your behavior. They know the right words that, that trigger your response. And there's one word in particular that many of you find absolutely irresistible. Are you ready for that word? Sale. But it was on sale. I love when you go to Kohl's. Man, they, they are the best at this. And you purchase something, and they're right off the bat, you saved $37 today. You only spent 89 but they don't tell you that. You saved. sale but it was on sale i had to buy it today it was on sale look how much money i saved but look how much money you spent okay don't get mad at me on this one i want to read a scripture to you that some of you may get a little aggravated at but remember it's not my words it's the word of god Proverbs 21, verse 20. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Okay, this is going to be fun. Look at your neighbor today. Say, don't be stupid. Now look at the, the second choice neighbor, the one that you ignored the first time, and say, don't be stupid. <laughs> now see, I'm not the only one that said stupid in church today. You did too. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Now, most translations I read said a fool. Let me just be honest with you. Most of them. But the message paraphrase, I'm sorry, the, the good news translation here just kind of smacked us upside the head. And, and I use this translation for a reason. I wanted to get your attention. Because I think if, if we would have read one that said a fool spends their money as fast as they get it, it wouldn't have had the impact on you. But suddenly when someone calls you stupid... You're like, but the Bible says, man, it is absolutely moronic for you to spend your money as fast as you get it. But how often as Americans do we do that? Yeah. Or sometimes we spend it before we get it. Oh, well, I know that I'm getting my tax refund back and it's going to be X amount of dollars. So I'm going to go ahead and spend it now. I'm not going to ask you to, to admit if you've already done that, because some of you in the room have already done that. You've already made that purchase on that credit card, and you're going to pay it off with your tax returns. Number three, 
Learn to say no. Learn to say no. It's vital that you set boundaries for yourself and for your family. If you are a married couple, you need to sit down together. You need to work through your finances because one of you is probably the conservative one, Angie, and one of you is probably the spender. And you need to learn to say, I told you I'm talking to myself today. You need to learn to say no. You've got to have boundaries. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself falling back in that trap of not knowing where it all goes. See, that's how I look this good, though. It's, it's all the spending. Learn to say no. By the way, if you're not the financially smart one in the house, don't do the finances. Just a little friendly advice there. Also, it's incredibly important that husbands and wife keep one another in the loop. I can't tell you how many husbands I've talked to I hope my wife's not mad at me. I went out and bought that 75-inch TV, but it was on sale. It's going to look really good in my man cave. Can I just be honest with you? Angie and I, I mean, I don't think we spend more than like 25 bucks without talking to one. I was buying cologne the other day, and I'm like, honey, can I spend like X amount of dollars to buy two bottles of cologne? She's like, Yeah. You know, so we, we communicate about those things. Why? Because we're husband and wife, and my money's her money, and her money's my money. Yes? Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9 says this, It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting more. That's hard, because that's so counter all America. America's... You need it. You should go buy it. You need a brand new one of these. I mean, they even gave you two iPhone options this year. Always be wanting something more. Our culture places this constant pressure on every one of us to be discontent with who we are, with what we look like, and even with what we have. And we will pursue something no matter what the result is. We'll pursue this discontentment in our life to the point that now we are in debt, we're financially struggling, and we find ourselves working at life rather than enjoying life. Why? Because we spend and we spend and we spend and we haven't learned how to say no. Principle number four. This one's hard. Begin to save. The Bible tells us that it's a mark of wisdom to save for the future. Did you know that? A mark of wisdom. If you want to be wise, if you don't want to be Proverbs 21, verse 20, do I need to repeat that one? No? Okay. Learn to say no. Okay. Then then let's look at Proverbs 21, the first portion of 20. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man, they're, they're, they were a little bit nicer there, the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise man saves for the future. So how wise are you today? They say that the average person in Japan saves 20% of their income. Wow. 
The average family in Europe saves 18% of the income. But we Americans, we spend 1% more than we earn. We're Americans. We're not doing so well. Here in the near future, we're going to, we got to get it on the books. We're going to teach a financial class. And I think it would be good for many, if not all of us, to go through that. Dave Ramsey, a financial guru, once wrote this. We all know we need to save. Yes? Do we all agree with that? (laughs) We're scared to death to admit that. We all know we need to save, but most people don't save like they know that they need to save. Why? Because they have competing goals. So we purchase and buy and consume all dollars away, or worse yet, go into debt to buy these things. That debt means monthly payments that control our paycheck and make us say things like, we just don't make enough to save any money. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We do make enough to save money. We just aren't willing to quit spoiling ourselves with our little project or pleasures to have enough left over. It doesn't matter what you make, you can save money. It just has to be a big enough priority to you. That's hard. The average person in Japan saves 20%. Average person in Europe, 18%. We Americans, we're going to spend, spend, spend. Oftentimes, not knowing where it's going. Oftentimes, not knowing what back door went out of. We have no clue of what came in or even what goes out. We live for the today. We're all into keeping up with the Joneses. No matter if the Joneses went into debt, they're now bankrupt. But we're going to follow them down the same path because we've got to keep up with them. How foolish can we be? See, in order to to get out of debt, we've got to stop comparing ourselves. We've got to stop competing with one another. And we just have to really decide, I don't care what other people think. My value is not found in them. My value is found in Christ. Let me encourage you today. Apply these four steps. For some of you, this could be tough. For some of you, it's going to be some hard work, but we just read it a moment ago. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. It's going to be a little hard work. You're going to have to really dig down deep to find out what all those payments are. You see, it's so easy to auto-pay. That's why they do that. Because when you auto-pay, you don't think about it. It automatically comes out. You don't have to worry about it. You have to go back. You have to go to your credit card or your debit card or your bank account or whatever. You need to find out what are your expenses, what's happening. And and there's a fifth principle. I'm not going to take much time on this fifth principle at all. Um, I will say that in a couple of months, I'm going to take a Sunday morning. We're going to really dig into number five because number five is a principle that, man, it's a whole Sunday morning, if not two Sunday mornings by itself. Here's number five. 
trust God through giving. The Bible is very clear. It says this. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How many of you know it's important to remember the words of Jesus? If you're ever going to quote somebody, he's a great one to quote. It's more blessed to give than receive. Now, when he says give, is he talking about paying a mortgage payment and paying utility bills and, and buying your new car? Is he talking about all of that? No. He's talking about furthering the kingdom of God and, and being the hands and feet in it, uh, of who he is. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Remember, who owns it? Not you. God. We're just the manager of what he's blessed us with. Would you bow your heads with me today?